Hi everyone, and welcome to the ADSR Inspirations Podcast. My name is James Mallion, I'm your host, as I introduce you to inspirational and artful souls from all over the world. I'm deeply interested in music, film, the arts, achieving goals, overcoming struggles, and big ideas. So join me as we uncover some life lessons and knowledge. We're based out of Tokyo, Japan, and we'll be speaking with people from all over the world, ranging from artists, musicians, creatives, leaders, big thinkers, and those who strive to do and be great. Thanks for listening along. Now let's get inspired. Welcome back to ADSR Inspirations. And today is a really special one for myself. Uh, our, our guest today is one of my oldest friends who I've known since high school in our hometown of Oakville, just outside of Toronto. And it's been a good while. We were trying to figure it out whether it was four years since we've yeah, five yeah, years, I think. Right. Yeah. Since we've had the chance to reconnect. So I'm really looking forward to today's chat. Mickey is a design leader working and living in the Bay Area outside of San Francisco. For the past 12 years plus, he's had various roles and experiences leading, teaching, and designing. He's held product design positions at Evernote, Twitter, and Facebook, to name a few. And he's taught university courses on design in the Bay Area. And he's also had a major focus on creating lasting positive change, tackling social issues both locally and in the world at large. So I'm really happy to welcome to the show, Mickey Settler. All right, man. Yeah, it's great to see you. It's been such a long time. So I'm, I'm excited to chat. For sure. Even if, even if you weren't asking me questions, I was just like, sure, I'll get on a call. Let's, <laughs> nice. Yeah, let's no, catch up. Yeah, thanks for doing this. I know, I know you're a busy man. So yeah, it's good to, as well as our time zones here in Japan and San Francisco. Yeah, but, yeah. But uh, yeah, let's get into it, man. So right off the bat, um, I want to get into a bit of your history and uh, explore some ideas. So from your bio, it says, I'm a design leader working hard to improve people's lives from bettering individual experiences to promoting collective actions that benefit society. So I know you've got extensive experience both in design as well as leadership roles, you know, various projects, whether it's on larger teams or projects that you've taken on by yourself. Um, so firstly, when did your interest in design start and when did you kind of realize that you could make a career in design? Yeah, well, when did the creative spark lie? Should we go back to, oh, what was his name? Back in, back in ComTech in high school? Sure, sure, sure. sure <laughs> we, had sure. A, we had a stint where we did video production and graphic design, actually. That, that yeah. actually isn't the spark, but it is... It is one in high school. If I try to like look as far back, and I was trying to find a reference that you know we shared together. Uh, but before that, um, I would was playing around. I don't know how old I was, but you know, our like dated computers. You know, <laughs> where we were basically uh, in the command prompt launching games. A uh, little bit, little bit after that time, uh, there was a there was a piece of software called CorelDRAW. And so that's like, you know, pre-illustrator pre, uh, right now, pre like what we use, the tools we use today, like Figma. Uh, this was way back in the day, but I would design um, logos and I would design things for just, just for fun. I, I don't know, like you're a kid, you're just, you're just playing around with tools and that was a tool that was 
was on our computer. I'm, I'm, I don't know how I graduated from paint to, to, to that tool, uh, but that was the first time I was just kind of tinkering, playing around with, uh, with designs. Wasn't really, didn't know what design was. And I was, I was a kid, you know, just like, oh, maybe it was like eight, 10. Like, I don't, I don't know how old I was at that time. Um, and I used to draw a little bit, but it was just kind of like random sketching, nothing, nothing too, too fancy. Uh, then, then coming back to high school, when we were in high school together, we did have that one class where it was uh, you know, video production and, and graphic design. And half the class was, I think it, you know, it was called desktop publishing, was, was the half the class. And the other class, I think, was called video production. So it was fun. It was actually one of my, one of my favorite classes in, in, in high school. We had a lot of fun. We should sure. pick up those old, those old sure. uh, movies. <laughs> right. yeah. I think I have them on a on a DVD somewhere, and I got to figure Perfect. out now. I got to figure out now how to play a DVD. Wait, <laughs> no CD. <laughs> Maybe yeah. My, yeah. <laughs> um. So that was another kind of dip, dipping my toe in the water, just kind of like playing around as a kid. Didn't really know that like this was a profession that I wanted to do. Um. Kind of, but I always kind of design things on the side, just like random stuff like you know, T-shirts and logos and, uh, and you know, posters. Then when I got to college was the first time I actually was doing this kind of like extracurricular. And so I went to school in UBC, so University, University of British Columbia in Vancouver, Canada. And we had a really large uh, intramural program. Uh, that's so that program is like where your, parks, your, your, your recreation program is running um, well, at that school, we were running events like long boat racing on the coast to uh, your standard like basketball, soccer, volleyball kind of tournaments to like random events like Storm the Wall, where you basically have this relay race with uh, with like five team members, and at the end of the relay race is like uh, a twelve foot wall that you have to like communally like you know climb. And so for that organization, I kind of volunteered for their marketing department and we would design all the posters for those different events. And these were silly, like these were just like, you know, just having fun in Photoshop, doing like layers and blending and putting things together just to like show people like, hey, this event is coming up and it's really a lot of fun. I designed the campus uh, recreation booklet. So if you're looking up, uh, you know, what programming is, is there in this, in this year. And man, I look back on them. Those, that's a, those designs were terrible, like, absolutely <laughs> terrible. Uh, but that was me kind of practicing design just for the fun of it. But it actually was for a specific endeavor. In that case, it was for marketing or, or recreation events. Um, and I was in school for business, so I, I studied commerce and economics uh, at UBC. Uh, I did some, I tapped on international business, did some some studying abroad. And I actually studied abroad in, in Austria, I had a stint in Austria. And the reason why that's actually a, a connection is because after school, I ended up moving to Germany because I had German was at the time my second language. And I joined a startup there. So I ended up finding a job and I was just like, I'm just moving to Germany to be with my girlfriend at the time who I'd met on exchange in Austria. And I landed at this company, which was a startup in Leipzig, Germany, so just uh, south of Berlin. And the, the company allowed folks to design T-shirts online uh, or other like merchandise and apparel and then enable like 
anybody or like you know, bands or whatever to set up a storefront and be able to like sell their merchandise and the company would handle all of that stuff like the, the printing the shipping and all that stuff in the back end i think now there's stuff like cafe press or, or, or other teespring or things like sure. that um and that was a startup where i actually managed <laughs> it was like a management apprenticeship and i managed a bunch of like contractors who were checking the vector files of the designs that were sent in to make sure that all the like nodes were properly closed all the paths were properly closed and connected so when sent to the printer they would print properly uh, and at that time what was really what i saw that was really exciting was i saw a startup uh, where there was a business founder who using technology and design and business kind of like created this company and that was actually my first um, exposure to what happens when you bring technology business and design together and at that moment i was like yeah like that's that was kind of a role model for me to see you know, somebody with a business background and launching this, and I wanted to start something. Uh, and so after after a stint over there, I had uh, a good friend in. Uh, I'm actually even forgetting now. We've it's been so long. I actually forget like you know, but Avlock was uh, um, back in the day was a good friend of mine, and he went to the University of Waterloo studying software engineering, and we teamed up to, to do a startup uh, together. And I came in from just being like, well, I know some design skills. I, I can learn some front-end development and, and you know the back end. Okay. So let's just kind of, let's kind of see what can happen. And so for me, through the school of like hard knocks, through just like, we gotta like figure some stuff out. Uh, I started to like really sharpen my design skill purely out of necessity because we're, you know, we're, we're not, making any money <laughs> and, right. and we need to, we need to get a business up and running. So I, I'm, I'm like learning whatever I could. And back then the resources for like what I may get into later, like my type of design that I do now, product design was like non-existent for, for digital mm -hmm. products. The, the, the industry was like pretty, pretty new. Um, but that was kind of the first time I was working in this space where I ended up realizing, Oh, like this is a profession. And then later on, I ended up going into that as like a, as like a proper profession because it was basically what I was doing. Sure. And so sure. it was kind of like a combination of, of taking what was kind of like a creative interest hobby, and then it started to become um, a tool that I use that I kind of leaned into. And then it actually became what I was really interested in. And I really loved like, the problem solving aspect of it and then using my design skills. So sure. it's a, that's a little bit of my journey. Sure, sure, sure. Um, you kind of mentioned like school of hard knocks and kind of learning as you go. I mean, obviously today when people are getting into design, even if they don't take, um, you know, a formal course or education, there's so many resources to kind of just, uh, you know, learn on your own. How, how are you kind of like picking up your skills at that time? It was it was still on the internet like it was yeah. there, there wasn't like nowadays there are like official programs that teach the discipline that I practice. Sure. Back then there weren't. Yeah. Um, design was more uh, brand graphic design. It was you know, uh, or even like website design. It wasn't to like a maturity level that it is today. So the resources were were not from designers necessarily. Mm. They're from like entrepreneurs or people like doing startups where I could you know, learn from their experience and understand that and then just apply apply my, um, you know, 
my design skills to to this to that domain and, and so there weren't like a lot of like i didn't like look up like product design and then and yeah. have a for it uh, it was more startups and entrepreneurship at that time and design is a key part of like these initial initial products and i kind of learned from other product people sure 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 so i guess today there's a lot more like niches for very specific um you know parts of when you're doing a startup or when you're product when you're doing product design um and there's a lot more resources to whatever specific um area you want to study or get better at right but back then it was more uh everything was kind of just like broad right yeah there was some like yeah there was more product resources and like how to build great products and design was maybe a topic in there but there wasn't necessarily a, a like i wasn't like going to a designer expert who was telling me to do applying design to kind of like software products um if there were resources at the time they weren't that well known and i, I didn't i didn't find them and, and so i kind of was learning while doing gathering everything from you know, I was learning some content development at the time. So I was doing technical resources. It was how to build great products. If there were design principles that I needed to, to learn, then, then I would pick up the that. So it wasn't so, so kind of like um, streamlined into one discipline or domain. But it was just more like, what does it take to build you know, great products and what are the tactics that you can employ? Sure, sure. Yeah, I guess, um, you know, like you mentioned, through your various experiences and just trying things and you mentioned your experience in germany and then yeah teaming up with our our friend avlock um it it seems like just going through you know a bit of your like work history you've had like a number of different opportunities um you know roles in different companies and ventures um you've done some teaching yourself as well which um i'm sure kind of helps like solidify things in your mind about um how to how to learn and how to how to teach um a specific area to others as well um you know through through these experiences do you kind of see this you know like compared to the past where someone might just want the job security of like one or two companies you've seemed to kind of uh jump around a little bit um how how do you kind of view changing of roles and you know, going to a new company every couple of years. Um, is it just kind of like you want to take on a new challenge or you think it's a way that you can kind of grow your skills or interact with a new set of people? How, how do you kind of view that whole process your past, I'd say like 10, 12 years? Yeah, it might be, it might be frame of reference um, because in, in my industry, the, the average tenure might be two years at a company. Sure. And so if I'm at a company for four years, that actually might be, you know, uh, on average, a little bit long. <laughs> and so I guess from that frame of reference, it doesn't feel like I would be kind of like have, like that it feels like I'd be jumping around necessarily. It, it kind of actually feels like, natural like that's actually sort of like a good tenure in my in my industry a good tenure kind of like 
sort of sits around three, four years. And, and part of the reason is how people are compensated in these types of companies that they, they traditionally kind of work on these four year cycles because in, in startups, you, you get a grant, you get your, your base salary, but you also get, uh, well, in startups, like in, in technology companies and maybe in other industries as well, then you get a, a four-year grant of like equity or stake in the company as well. But basically, is a natural sort of like four-year cycle that you think on. Sure. Uh, it's also kind of interesting because if you think about college, like you're you're mm. or you're in university, you're you're on this like sort of like four-year learning path. So if you imagine being at a job for four years, if you were at college for four years, what can you learn? It actually feels like a nice sort of tenure. Um, that's one, that's like the industry sort of shaping a little bit of like what I, what I see um, or like how I kind of perceive how long to stay at a company and, and when, is a, when is a good time to move. Another part of me is just I'm, I'm, I'm really interested in just a lot of, in a lot of things. And so for yeah. me, you can actually you can get a little bored pretty easily. Obviously, you look at our mm. parents and like, you know, my parents at the same company for 30, 30 years. I think our generation, the generation right after that, completely, completely broke that down. And part of it is you're not sitting at a company for you're like waiting for your pension. Um, you actually have other ways of like needing to uh, save for your retirement or, or things like that. Obviously, it's different depending on what country you're in. Uh, so for me, you look at it as what what excites you? Like you should never be running away from something, but always running to like running towards something. And so uh, it is a pretty tough decision to, to know like when, when to leave. I think because of the industry I'm in, it's, there is a lot of opportunity that, that we traditionally had. And so there's a lot out there. And I think one challenge is you can learn a lot when you stay at a company. There, there's, there's kind of, institutional knowledge that you build up you can advance through the through the ranks and if that's if that's something that feels exciting then it actually is a really great path uh, i think for me part of my growth was actually moving to different places seeing how they work uh, and seeing if there's another like i think if you look at the calculus like how can you how can you grow as fast as possible? What are the opportunities mm. that will like change your rate of growth? And you know, as you are working in a company, this is your left side, right? um, you sort of like plateau mm. uh, a little bit, and you're just kind of like diminishing returns to to the growth that you have. If you're starting to feel that, it makes sense to to move to another company. Of course, you could be at a company where your growth actually ends up going, you know, depending on what stage, it could be exponential. It could be mm. it could be really great. So you kind of just want to look at how fast are you growing, and maybe that's something more superficial in a sense, like title, but it could be just like scope, opportunity, like how 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 intrigued you are and curious you are about the problems, and and if that continues to grow fast, you should stay. Um, sure. That's great, and so that's kind of the the calculus that I would look at when I'm thinking about you know, how long to stay at the company. Um, yeah, no, I think that's great advice um, for people, you know, in a similar position. Um, you know, like you say, the, the tricky thing is like being able to gauge that yourself and like it can't always just be like 
your job position or how much money you're making. It has to, like you say, um, a lot of these internal factors and whether or not you feel you're growing in the right ways. Um, so like in your different experiences, um, it's obviously like being difficult, like you say, when you may have had to quit or go to a new, uh, a new company or a new position. Have you, have you had some, like, maybe it's just like a couple days or like a week when you leave a place and then you're just like, hold on, was this the, was this the right decision or should I have done, done this? Like, do you have those moments where you're kind of doubting yourself or you're usually pretty uh, confident when you, when you're jumping or I shouldn't say jumping when you're going after new opportunities for growth? Never had any doubt. Um, kind of once a chapter is closed, I wouldn't. I don't. I wouldn't want to revisit it. You kind of look at it yeah. as if you're 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 novel and like the chapter is closed. Like, what's what's yeah. the next chapter? Um, and there is this feeling of relief and closure. Like there, there always is like a reason why you're leaving. You're craving something more. So I think that's that's the exciting part of when you're, you're moving to a new role is you have these like. In, new frontiers, the exciting expectations, this, this curiosity, the unknown, and that's that's really exciting. And you're leaving behind the known, so it's kind of that explorer mentality uh, that you're you've already experienced, um, you know, the previous company, and you cherish whatever you gained and learned and the time you had there. But now you're, I mean, for me, I, I just like, look ahead to what that next opportunity is. Depends also if you like if. <laughs> like how you plan it for yourself. If you go right from like that job, right to the next one, give yourself a week in between, you may not even have enough time to, to process the change. And then you go right into a new role. You're, you're just getting started and learning. Um, I had one time, this is between, between Twitter and Facebook, where uh, some colleagues of mine, so they were, they were Twitter colleagues, we, we had a trip planned to Patagonia. And so... <laughs> Uh, I had five weeks between, between one job and the other, and we're traveling to like, you know, a town in Southern Argentina. that's basically, you know, quote as like on a sign is like the end of the world because it's just pretty much as far south as you can go. So there were parts of Patagonia where I felt like pretty remote and, and pretty desolate and free because I didn't have a job. I was in, you know, I was four or five weeks away from starting a new one. And that actually... That's just a great feeling. Um, it's nice because you know you have something that you're you're going to be starting. But with five weeks and just like being out in the in like the, the wilderness, it's this it's such an amazing sense of freedom that I, I do like recommend if, if you if you are taking you know switching jobs if you have the luxury or the opportunity to like have an extended period, spend that like where you can really feel that freedom. Sure. Yeah. Um, I recently, I recently read, um, Tim Ferriss's book, the four hour work week. I'm not sure if you've read that one. Yeah. And he kind of mm -hmm. gets into, uh, topics about, um, you know, like thing, things that you're kind of saying, you know, don't just wait till the end of your life to plan out this whole big retirement thing, but take these, you know, mini retirements and, you know, actually enjoy your life, you know, while you're living it. And uh, I think, yeah, that's kind of powerful what you're saying. Um, if you can, you know, sort it out, you know that you're going to be spending a couple of years at this place, 
if you can take like, say two months in between, or even, you know, while you're working at a certain place, uh, I, I think especially, you know, working at tech companies and this past year as well with the transition to people working remotely, um, the opportunities are certainly there. Although I've, I've, I've you know, heard anecdotally, you know, even read in the, in the papers or in the papers, <laughs> in the, you know, in your, in your morning newspaper that you're reading, no, yeah. and like on the, on the internet, um, th that people have been working harder, a mm. lot harder over yeah. 2020 and 2021 during the pandemic. Uh, the separation between life and work was, you know, diminished and, and, and the lines blurred and you end up working more you can you don't have to like have a commute you wake up and you can yeah. literally the second after waking up be like answering an email and I, I think studies have shown well one companies that were sort of averse to remote working kind of saw that their workforce was more productive almost like unsustainably more productive right <laughs> all right and, and and in tracking that it's uh it's it's you know it's almost like another epidemic right like the epidemic of like working way too hard because you because i guess because you can and we're sometimes now i don't know like i guess it's cultural right and i'm, and I'm gonna assume you know maybe japanese culture is, is similar and that that like almost in unhealthy work ethic yeah right so I don't know what the stats are coming out of uh, coming out of Japan, but I'm, I'm assuming that it, it's it's similar that, that everyone's like ends up actually working even more. Right. Well, also um, the remote working definitely wasn't embraced as much here, um, mm. from what I understand, compared to the rest of the world. I mean, it did it did certainly exist, and um, but there are still like a lot of old ways of doing things. Um, you know, people still use fax machines. You have these like little rubber stamps with your name on it. You have to physically stamp stuff. <laughs> um, so in a lot of respects, things are still behind the rest of the world. Um, so like just staying on that topic for a minute, like for yourself personally, um, do you kind of appreciate coming into an office setting or could you see yourself... Um, I'm not sure your current situation working remotely. Could you work remotely all the time or do you kind of like the office setting, say like one one or two days a week? What's your kind of view on that? Yeah, so my, my office is in San Francisco. And as we were chatting before we hit, hit record, I moved north of San Francisco. So I'm about, without traffic, uh, 20 to 30 minutes, depending on what part of the city I need to get to. I'm I'm far away from that. During traffic, could be an hour, could be an hour. And I don't I don't know. I have a, haven't actually had to you know experience it yet. And so there has been kind of a bit of a migration, particularly in the Bay Area, because there was a gravitation towards it for all the opportunity of the, of the companies that are based out of here. Um, but then when I went remote, folks either left the area kind of temporarily because they could, uh, or said, well. Maybe now I'll, I could use some more space. Let me move a little bit further away. And I ended up moving further away. So like I mentioned, I'm, I'm in a town called Larkspur, which is just in Marin County, which is just north of, of San Francisco. And so I don't think I would be able to come into the office five days a week. It would be too big of a commute, actually. Now I am pretty close to a ferry, so I could like ride my bicycle for 15 minutes 
up on a ferry, head over. But my office actually isn't close to the ferry, so I probably have to ride my bike for another 15, 20 minutes. You get a bike ride and a ferry ride in, and that's actually a pretty good start to the day. Sure. Would I want to do that five days a week? No. Would I want to do that a couple days? Why not? Um, we have, we are open. Like we have, we you know, voluntarily you can come into the office. And so when faced with the choice now, um, where some people are going in, not like a critical mass, but some people, you know, there's what I say and what I do. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, while I can go in, I have yet to go in. Right. And how long has that been? A couple months of, right. of being available. Yeah. 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 And so I think I'm assuming we all are feeling the, the Zoom fatigue or the, the video conferencing fatigue. So at some point, it will be really refreshing to go in. Um, but it has to be for a good reason because. There's a lot of, like, if you're going in to do you know, meetings and now with a distributed workforce and part of our team being you know, in different cities or even some people in Canada, then uh, we have folks in London. If you go into the office to do a video conference with somebody in Atlanta, <laughs> like, what's the point of that, right? So, yeah. so that, that's an example where you want to go in because the activity that you're doing actually is better in person because you're collaborating, you need, you need those like personal cues, you're spending a prolonged period of time together and not like a slice of a half an hour and then on to the next one. Uh, and so that's, those are the kind of, that's, the, that's what I would look at in terms of when to go to the office and, and is, is it worthwhile. Sure, sure. Yeah. And again, like I have, a, I have the luxury because I have the choice. Um, and so for those who have the choice, the only thing that's going to get a little bit interesting is we'll see remote work was easy if your whole company is remote because everyone's on an even playing field. As soon as it becomes a hybrid model and some folks go in, you can have all these like interesting dynamics. One, if like only a few people go in the office, they're like tiny little people in a conference room in a box and everybody else is like us, intimate and, you know, full of life on the screen. And so in that scenario, I actually think the people at home have an advantage. But then if the gravity moves a bit more and we have more people in that room and less, you know, solo boxes on the screen, then the dynamic changes. Now you're going to have conversation that happens in the room and then you're going to start to feel like a traditional, like, you know, one remote person uh, where you're trying to get in, into the conversation, but you can't. And so I've seen some tactics that uh, other companies are like thinking about or trying which is being like really intentional and kind of awkward by saying like, even if you're in the office, one screen per, per person. So you're sitting in the office and everyone's on a screen. Yeah, yeah. Kind, of, kind of artificial and weird if like mm. there's like five of you in the same call on your own computers, then you got to deal with the audio issues yeah. like, and that. So it's a... Uh, how that world's going to play out kind of just depends company by company on how, what the gravity is and whether there's like proportionally more people in the office and, and in the same room uh, or, or the other way around. And sure. I don't know. Sure. We're all kind of, we're all kind of learning in this. Right. Yeah. Um, do you think also like it comes into factor? I'm thinking specifically like, 
productivity and some people kind of need that divide between like home and workspace. And uh, I know like, you know, people were forced into it, but um, you know, like you mentioned one end of the spectrum, people are working more efficient at home, but I know there's probably personality types that, you know, say you've got your family at home, you've got dogs and cats, you know, distractions going on as well. Um, do you think that could play a factor into things as well? Yeah, it's such a it's such a broad topic because it just depends on what industry you're in, what what the workforce is like, and not everyone has a home where they can actually set up an office that is yeah. gives them the focus. So then they're going to want to be able to go into an office where they can have that have that focus, have that separation, and that that's really helpful. With kids, and especially during this this time, if they, they don't have daycare, they're not in school, uh, that's going to be really challenging. And, and so that's, it really is kind of dependent. Like in my, in, from my personal story, it's, it is easier to work from home. I have the space. Um, I don't have you know, a, if an army of kids running around. I, you know, I have some animals and, and, and potentially kids later on. Uh, but right now I don't have too much that would actually make my time here at home less efficient. Uh, and that's where it's kind of an equity thing. Like, sure, if everyone had like great places to work from home, then on one hand, it's like an equalizer because like you don't have to like move. You can work from any from anywhere. On the other hand, if you don't have that capability, then you're at a disadvantage. You don't have the proper equipment. You don't have the the, the proper location at your house. You could be at a disadvantage. Mm, yeah. I think I, I think I, what was this? Was I a tweet or an article about like, you can tell somebody's like positioning the company by whether they have a bed in the back of their video <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> or not. Like, are they, are they taking their video call from their bedroom or they're like mahogany desk? You know? <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah. Um, I want to, I want to shift it up a little bit here. Um, so like, I know throughout, throughout the years and your different opportunities, you've, uh, you've had to act in, you know, leadership roles in different capacities. So I, I want to talk about leading and being a leader. How, how, do you think, uh, how do you think one becomes a good leader or a great leader? And do you think some of these like leadership traits are innate in people or this is like a skill that you can learn, you can train and, you know, become great? Uh, well, the first thing that came to mind is, you know, to be a leader, you, you, people need to you need to have followers in a sense, sure. right? Just like you've been looking that word. Yeah. And that's just like being able to rally people towards, like move people towards action in a sense. And that can mean very different things. And so even like when you look at leadership, like you might think of leadership as synonymous with management and sometimes it is, but it really is different from that. And like even when we look at how to incentivize people and grow them in their career uh, and like what those opportunities are. Everyone has an opportunity to be a leader and it just may be in a different facet. If you were excited about a specific idea and wanted to turn that into a project and have people work on it and you were able to inspire others to join you and then work on that project while well, you're a leader, but you could do that at any capacity in any function, whether you're in uh, marketing or whether you're in design, whether you're, you're in um, product, whether you're in 
I mean, resources, uh, I mean, people to like, it doesn't really matter where you are, like you can exhibit, exhibit leadership. And so that's having this kind of a clarity of vision and direction and then being able to move people in that direction and towards that, that, that common goal and vision. And that's leadership that can happen at various altitudes and, and, and in various like sizes of scope. Right, like you, what's another good example? Um, so I guess like on a project, but it could be leading people towards like a special initiative. Mm. Um, it could be towards towards like promoting or furthering a cause. Uh, sure. Like a community organizer, in a sense, is a leader. Right? Yeah. A CEO is a leader, but like you can be a leader if you're a manager. You can be a leader if you're not. Mm. And so um, you can be, if you look at sports, right? You can be a leader as a player on a team, you can be a leader as the coach, you can be a leader in as a GM or as a, in another capacity. Sure. So do you think like some of these, uh, like the second part of it, do you think like these, these are skills like lead, mm -hmm. being a leader or leadership skills are things like you train and get good at, or some of it is like innate, you know, like someone just, has it in them, oh, I want to step up, I want to do this, or it's something that like you can study and get really good at by just practicing and studying to be that. Hmm. Like my, my easy answer would be it's something that you can learn. Um, but I think like, I, I don't think immediately that like, if you, that you're born with it or not, uh, but it might be a little bit more nuanced than that. Maybe, I mean, I'll go back to the sports analogy, maybe like a basketball player. I can, I can become really good at basketball. Can I be the best? Am I am I like built and innately like um, have that skill? No, I might have to work harder. I might have potentially a lower ceiling than another, but it just depends on how you're defining that. Like it's not just sure. height. Like there there are there are shorter people in the NBA. You know, you like Chris Paul recently. Like there are shorter people in the you're NBA right, right. that can, can get right to the right to the almost to the end. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> and so in that respect, like you can train as a leader and you can get better and better and better. Um, you may have to work harder at it than, than those that may be, okay, maybe we're born with like more kind of like innate um, uh, capacity for it or the environment that they grew up in naturally kind of like shaped uh, leadership qualities mm. but i i'd like to think that anybody can can learn so it's it's more environmental than it is sure yeah yeah, yeah that makes a lot of sense yeah um i think like part of it is like to a certain extent you have to want to take that role um what what are some things that you may have learned or some skills that i'm sure you've worked with some great leaders over the years as well, or, you know, certain project managers or what have you, certain titles. What, what are some things that you've picked up um, over your career from some people that you may consider great leaders? Well, the skills I've seen are being able to recognize these strengths and weaknesses in, in their team and be able to play those strengths really well. Mm. And, by understanding that, I like need to know your team you know, very intimately to be able to know when to like delegate an opportunity or like hand an opportunity to uh, 
the right person and have them be able to really well with it uh, versus where you need to focus and, and, and coach someone. And then also to like, like I said before, in the leadership, to rally a team together is to have a sort of clarity of, of thought and vision. And the challenging part is like, if it's purely yours, <laughs> yeah, that's going to be hard. Like it has to feel like it's everyone's in a sense and that they're all kind of part of this. And that's the challenge that I think is, is I've seen, I've seen done well with some leaders and not so well, well in others. And like, if you have like a vision where nobody cares or like nobody's following it yeah. or it doesn't make sense, that's, that's not going to help. So like, you have to be able to almost bring, bring people along for the ride. And, and also know when like you can elevate somebody else's like perspective or thought or incorporate that into into the plan in a sense and um, that's where the team sport comes in because you need to be able to really recognize you know the the best roles that people can play which is why i do think sports is a really great analogy mainly because it's like a like an economic model it's like a, it's an oversimplification of the complex you know realities of the real world and so you have a finite set of positions you have kind of specific qualities of players and you're just trying to find that right that right fit it's a little bit harder i kind of i kind of used to joke actually the, the kawaii example was um, oh, what was the term load management do you remember where you yep, take a few yep. take a game off just to like yep. rest to make sure you can manage injuries i was like where's the load management in in like your your professional career like why can't i be like all right i'm not i'm not going out i'm not going to work today because i'm you know load management <laughs> gotta gotta keep my my a player game on right so um you could rotate me out this week <laughs> well i'm sure you know with the remote working <laughs> and if you're not able to you know fully track what everyone's doing all the time well even like again with the remote work and with this um kind of like always on connection to work. Mm, right. I'm guessing this is pretty bad in, in Japanese culture, but like not taking vacation. Yeah. Just feeling st- st- too stressed out to like you know, take a break. Vacation is load management. And yeah. in it's it's actually good for business and to mm. have more sustainable workforce and a more creative workforce. And in, in that case, like uh, as a leader, this might lead me back to it is like to, to, to know when to encourage people to actually step back. Uh, and that's actually really important. Where to, where to prioritize your efforts, where to really zone in and, and, and focus and where to let go. And at times like you shouldn't be doing everything. Like maybe it, you know, taking a week off in the short term may feel like you're letting go of like some critical tasks that you need to do. But in the long term, it may actually help you focus on the bigger picture items or come back with more energy. And so in that case, it's like, yeah, it's like load management. It's like um, injury prevention. But like, yeah. I guess, you know, not physical, although we do it physical as well, right? Yeah. You know, ergonomic injuries. <laughs> uh, but that's an example where recognizing when your team is team's focus is misplaced when your team is being burnt out 
kind of had to read behind uh, the face value of what your what some person on your team is actually communicating. What might have been like a medium post that I saw the title level read it like a little bit recently, which is like, you know, if your your team member says they're okay, they're not okay. <laughs> like, you know, how you doing? I'm okay. Yeah, you're, you're, there's something probably going on. Yeah, yeah, right. As an example, so to have that intuition on what's really going on is, is uh, extremely difficult. Sure. And the balance, execution, being able to like actually rapidly work towards a goal and really like accomplish you know, bite-sized tasks that add up to the to the, the final goal. Balance that with that space, right? Like obviously. You can't load manage so much that you know that, that your players aren't actually you know in the game and training and working hard. So that balance between between the two is, is really is really challenging. Sure. So know when to really push. Know when to actually pull them out. Sure. Um, do you think like uh, you know like you mentioned, it's common you know to kind of um, change around your company, your position every couple of years, like, do you think this then presents problems for like, say, um, a smaller company or, you know, this smaller CEO who loves what this key member has been doing and then um, they lose them in a couple of years? Or do you think there's enough, um, you know, player pool, there's enough talent out there to keep kind of replenishing as people are changing around positions and companies, you know, if the players outgrown the the team in that standpoint, or things mm. have shifted, like it could just be a different stage where what was exciting to that team member, I'm uh, saying to you at that stage, at the earlier stage, like you've kind of grown out of, and then mm. it's not good for anybody. Like you're not mm. going to be the best collaborator or team member because your interests lie elsewhere so right it's making the best use of the time you have with sure. that relationship and there is time like spent on both sides to like time invested in each other and training the company's training onboarding putting um putting money into it into an employee employees investing like, all this like mind space to like get up to speed on the domain to like build relationships like there's a lot being invested um so that there is probably a point where like it, it, it's just like a net loss or almost wasted six months a year it's probably like you know a a a poor investment um yeah. on that part uh, so the goal is just to is to make the best use of the time that that's together and so it's if it's only two years but it could be a really impactful two years it could be really impactful mm. three years and right. it should you know companies that have smart people that that are or like you know uh, successful people or, or those that are just you know delight to work with that have moved on and are alumni like can speak wonders like mm. you graduate from a school after four years and you're alumni and you represent that school so same thing with the company like, you, sure. you want to have a strong alumni network because mm. that speaks that speaks to your to the caliber of your company you kind of want to like shape people have them be excellent and see that they came from your company great that'll attract other people to be like well that person's great right oh they they worked over there that must be a great place to work sure 
it's almost like a recruiting tool. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense too. And, um, would you say like there's some practices or some habits that you've kind of picked up that have kind of helped you, let's say find direction or kind of know when to make a change or just help, helped you like with success in general? I have to say that making making moves has, has been a very hard decision for me. I don't think I've had like the clarity of thought that I would like going in. Mm-hmm. And I think um, so. I wouldn't replicate the the environment in which I've, I've like necessarily made those decisions. I think I'm still searching for searching for like getting that right mindset and like those like more aha moments. Uh, but what I do to like get me closer to them is exercise. Actually, yeah. it's it's the best thing for me is to go out, and it's not like to like clear your mind and body of just like whatever the hell is going on. Um, whether it's you don't want to be making decisions when you're stressed or like disgruntled because it, it could be momentary. It could just be momentary emotions. So you want to get all of that out there. Uh, for me, the best way is just like strenuous exercise. Like you mentioned, you see, you see my post on Strava. Like that's yeah. that, yeah, going for a 20 mile bike ride or going for uh, paddle boarding for a couple miles. Uh, really just kind of clears my mind and and just focusing on like pushing myself what's nice and you know i'm not gonna take it back to basketball but i'll keep it in in, like the the sort of like exercise sports arena is that it's a pretty controlled environment like you you push hard and you see the results now hopefully like you know training is hard but the like feedback loop is 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 pretty quick like and you feel like you push harder with the paddle on the paddleboard, you go faster and you can feel your body like feel fitter. It's just like, it's just like everything, everything um, it feels more under control in a sense. And, and that's the same thing for, for cycling is like, I can like just like push and it gets out all that like stress in it and like bad energy. And it, I also feel like I'm like, really in control like you feel like you're in the driver's seat like literally yeah. right uh and i think that's a good way for me personally to to unwind uh, and as well to like like i said kind of purge whatever might be clouding my thought or getting in the way mm. and that's why i actually think and this is the tough part because not everyone has this ability and this is one thing that I've been contemplating is what if I took a break, like yeah. a couple months, a week is not going to do it. If you're looking to make like significant change in your life and you haven't yet found that curiosity that keeps you up after hours, after a tiring work day, you're doing a tiring work day and then you end up like watching TV and falling asleep. You're not going to have time or energy to, you know, to like work on that side project late at night, it means you haven't found it yet because otherwise you wouldn't be falling asleep or, or you wouldn't be doing that. Like you would mm. be up at your computer, at a drawing board, or whatever the activity is, you'd be doing it. 
So if you haven't found that yet and you find yourself in a rut, it could be worth taking a step, you know, quote unquote, back to be able to take two steps forward. Mm-hmm. And there is a cost. And for some, that might be easier than others. But if you are able to, to forego for a small period of time, like recurring income, it could yield results. Now you need a, and I've heard this from folks who've been able to do this, you have a period of time where you're not just right away trying to figure out what you want to do next. You've got to just like let go. You need some time to just like relax, whatever that is is to you. And then start to like think, whether it's reading, whether it's writing, whether it's talking with people, but finding what that is does require time. Just anecdotally, it's on the scale of months to get to that like clarity. And uh, sometimes you don't have the capacity to get to that clarity when you're full-time working, have a family and that. Yeah. So if there's any way in that respect where you can carve out that time, maybe it's a trade-off between your, your partner where, you know, you can negotiate where you, you know, one partner is able to like take that time off for a period of time while the other partner is supporting. Like there's, there's, there's ways of doing it, but I, I personally have not done it yet, but have been very much contemplating it because mm. I think it could lead to like better creative pursuits, um, a an inflection point in your career that you may not have thought of, and just like a, back to like an earlier point, like put you on a path for a higher growth trajectory. Yeah, yeah. I think, um, like you say, you mentioned being in a position like that um, is certainly like a privileged position for many Mm -hmm. people as well. Um, But if you can do it, like you say, maybe like a step backwards, two steps forwards in the long run, if you're able to do something like that, it's going to get you where you were supposed to be. are, are there some like, are there some things like you can think of like some skills or just like um, traits, aspects of let's say either your professional or your personal life that you kind of wish you were better at? Definitely wrong with personal life that I wish I was better at, but I actually think it would be more hobbies that mm-hmm. I think can work and kind of like take over. So there's so <laughs> many hobbies that I've, I've wanted to start, but I've been, I've been great at starting and, and not continuing a lot of things. You know, I have a, I have a guitar sitting in my house that I've carried from house to house to house, from city to city. I don't know how to play it. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it's there. It's there. And I'm, I like to think that it's, it's there for the right time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I would actually say right now, the skills would be kind of these like extracurricular uh, kind of like hobbies that are, uh, that I've, I've always sort of put aside, whether it's back to like sketching and drawing, um, to learning and you know, playing to play music, um, even language learning, I used to be really, really excited about. And I haven't really had done it as much um, lately. And so, so that's something that, uh, that is exciting. So I guess I could root that down to what I would like to be better at is learning outside of work. Mm. 
and I do, I do it, but like, it's, it's like, it's the like core skill, like how to learn anything quickly and consistently. And I think for me, the challenge that I have is I'm just, I'm interested in a lot of things, which sure. is why I'll like start, but then stop. And then still another thing it happens to me with books as well. Yeah. Like I've got many books where I'm like partway through, like right now I've got a graphic novel, a sci-fi novel, some nonfiction, right? And and they're all just like partway through that uh, that my skill would be to like, that I would like to work on is to regain that like focus and commitment and to know that like, you know, you could go 10 years trying and stopping and basically doing nothing, or you could just like pick one, <laughs> stick with it, and then two years later, you're much further, and then you could probably do five things in those ten years, um, and, and and that's a skill that's that's I think is hard to cultivate, especially in a work culture where it starts to become kind of all-consuming. Mm. For sure, yeah, I think uh, I'm a little bit the same way, you know, in terms of having this like big appetite to get into something and start something, and then. Um, you know, then something else comes along and you you do see, you know, like you see some of these people who are like, no, I've mastered this and I've <laughs> mastered that, you know, like I, I'm thinking specifically, like I remember uh, hearing some interviews from, I'm not, I'm not sure how well, you know, uh, Tony Robbins, but he mm -hmm. certainly has a following. Right. And like, mm -hmm. he's, he's like, you know, on the, on the surface, like you would assume he's one of the busiest people you know, on the planet, but then he's like, no, no, you know, I hired a private uh, karate instructor and, you know, in between my seminars, I just went full out, and, you, know, <laughs> you know, stuff like this. Um, yeah, I do also notice there's like, uh, there's apps and, you know, getting back into the design stuff, there's this app uh, I've played around with recently called Blinkist. I'm mm -hmm. not sure if you're familiar with that. Yeah, yeah, I have that. I I went through a couple texts on it. Uh, might have been on like Stoicism or something that I was, I was yeah. reading about. It was good. It was a good sort of synopsis. Um, I don't know. I feel like that is sort of counterproductive, right? Right. Like we're yeah, talk you, yeah, we're, ta you we're talking about like yeah. yeah, we're talking about like ten thousand hour, you know, the ten thousand hours sort mm. of concept in like one discipline. And I'm saying like I'm doing ten thousand hours in over ten thousand things. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> right. Which is not going to do anything. And so mm. this allows me Blinkist allows me to like very quickly get the gist of a topic, which means I'm just not going deep on. Right. And so I think for me, what I'm, what I'm like really focused on is going deep and then maintaining that like knowledge and retaining that knowledge. And I think, I think like Blinkist, like I have no, I can't, I cannot repeat to you what I've learned on it yeah. because it was like five minutes <laughs> of sure. my time, sure. maybe 20 minutes of my time. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, I'm not sure like if that's like a general trend, you know, people, I certainly still like reading books and audio books. And, you know, when I'm running, I'm listening to audio books and podcasts and whatnot. But uh, obviously the popularity of things, you know, like Instagram and Twitter and, you know, Blinkist comes along where it's just these short little clips and 
that seems to like satisfy a lot of people. And you it's know, interesting if you take that clip and that's like your gateway drug and you're mm. like, oh, that's a really interesting topic. Okay, now let me read this book. Now let me watch this movie. Right, let me right. let me study this. Okay, that's great. So if it's your if it's your like introduction into a topic, and maybe that's that's the purpose it serves, right? So okay, so if you look at um, you want to like bring it back to design and product, there's a framework that I really love using that's called the Jobs to Be Done framework. I don't know if you've heard of that. I don't think so. Yeah, go ahead. Um, yeah, let me I'm actually just done on my computer in a second. Sure. Just wanted to get the name right. I think this was initially this is Clay Christensen. Um, initially described this framework. Uh yeah, so from the Christensen Institute. And the framework is we don't just like use products like we're we're hiring them for a job like if you were to hire uh like we're doing some work in our house i'm like i we hired some gardeners to clear out some some brush so that we can landscape it so we've hired them to do a very specific job or hired an electrician to come fix electrical work right i've hired james to come and do a podcast for me <laughs> right and so and so you can look at products as what are you hiring a, a product to do? And so like, I don't know, I'll give an example of a cup. Like I'm, what, what is the job this, this is getting, getting done? You can look at it from different angles. Uh, but the job is to, for me, is to, like on the surface level, like hold liquid, right? But you can look at another job is like, is it to, um, quench my thirst. And so it's like an interesting thing when you look at look at it from that from that perspective on 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 that. And the job to be done like there's a, a framework where you can look at uh, there's like a, a framing that you can use to help you like actually construct like a a, a sentence that that describes the job to be done to help facilitate you as a problem solver or my discipline as a designer, um, our, 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 uh, our tools are, is like visual. Like I am you know, designing mock-ups or like for those who may not understand, like, like an architect puts together blueprints, we're putting together the blueprints or the designs for an experience, whether it be a website, an app, something like that. But for us, it's like to solve a certain problem, to satisfy me, to mm -hmm. enable you to actually do something, not, like artwork is to like you know listen an emotion. No, like the people that design Zencaster for 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 podcasting, like the job that you're hiring to get done is to like help you, you know, record a podcast. So like all the design decisions that are in here are there to like help satisfy specific jobs that you are hiring this service to get done. And that's the problem solving aspect of it. Um, it's not just digital products. Like this, this is was like you know kind of like business theory, and I think a good example was the in the classic example that's given in, in his literature is Snickers. Now I don't know if this is like a cultural um, uh, anecdote, so it may not land for, for for different viewers. But Snickers has is like a a candy bar in the U.S. or like a chocolate bar. 
And the commercials that they have are for when you see their commercials now, it's, it's like, they're like, they're, they're humorous and they're funny, but it's like an athlete who's like, you know, right before like exercising, like needs like, needs like a quick fix and grabs a Snickers bar and eats it. And, and when you look at like what job a Snickers bar is getting done, they reframed it to say like, well, what is it getting done? Like, oh, is it getting, are you like, is it a treat? Like uh, the job I'm hiring you for is to make me feel good or to make me like celebrate. In that scenario, then it's, it's kind of like a candy bar or it's kind of like a dessert. And that's like why you sort of like hire those products or things. But for the Snickers bar, you, what they sort of like realize is a lot of the times people are hiring them to satisfy a hunger craving. And so they kind of change all their marketing to be around that like hunger craving which repositions Snickers to be in the same category as like a granola bar or mm. a health bar, which usually you use you're like, oh, I missed a meal, but I'm hungry and I need to hold myself over. So I need to just make this like that. And so what could have been a like, you know, next to a candy bar, like in your mind is actually next to a granola bar. It means right. it's actually it's actually reframed to solving a completely different job than what like um a completely like you know sugarful like candy sure 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 yeah and then there's this image that okay it's somewhat healthy or it's good for you right yeah and it may not be maybe it's a bit better maybe it's a bit healthier <laughs> but they 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 anchored on that job to be done and then like piled on marketing to it so that now they're just like yeah like i just finished a bike ride and like i'm just gonna grab a snickers like what like it's a candy bar yeah <laughs> like, right <laughs> Right. Uh, and so I actually forget why I, I, I brought in the, the jobs framework, uh, but I think it's really powerful in, in product design and problem solving. Sure. Just a couple, yeah, a couple more for you, man. Time's kind of flown by here. Um, <laughs> I feel like I could, we could go on, maybe we'll save some stuff for part two, but um, I just want to kind of like, you touched on some of your like, personal kind of uh goals and uh things you'd like to be better at in terms of like your professional like as a designer what what kind of keeps you going or like keeps you exploring or like drives you forward as, in your like design life and your career well from a product design perspective putting out great products is like just is the ultimate feeling, right? You put out a product. Now, what is a great product? Well, like we kind of described, like it's it's solving some real problems. It's maybe making some impact in like a person's life or on a broader scale. Um, and then the putting out part, that kind of changes in scale as well. Like I can put out a great product by like designing it and building it myself. It might be on a much smaller scale if it was just me. Uh, or I can design and like as I said, moved to like management and leadership, design the team that designs the product mm. that, that gets it out there. And then that involves not just my designers or the designers on my team, that involves who they collaborate with and cross-functional folks and designing that system. So now you get into like the design system. And so on those like broader scales, design is is like is the practice, but just the product or your service or your system might be different 
And so as you kind of progress in, in career, like one track, and there are many tracks, one track is you start to be able to put out great product by designing the different set of inputs or by designing, which is like the processes or how the team works together for the system. And then that could be from like starting your own company to working within a company. So in your own company, you're, you're basically designing the culture and you're designing. And then, so it's, it's on like what you're designing ends up being a little bit different. And so for me, that may change. Like, if I'm growing within a company and the company is large, well, I'm going to be leading and managing. I'm going to be managing everybody, but I'll be you know leading a, a, a group of people, um, and I may manage folks and manage other folks. Like just depending on where you are in this like hierarchy organization, you may have more or less people that are part of your team as you grow. But ultimately, your goal is you know, for me, especially as a product person and designer, is to put out great product and whatever is needed and in a large company it's going to be ensuring that all the people are working really well together and that there's a great process for designers to be super creative but also super productive and so what i do is end up designing you know that system or that process and you're working with people and so um designing the their experience you know your team's experience is extremely important and so that's my product that's a little bit different um, but maybe I'll go join a small company that like I end up like I am the only person or maybe I only have a few people. Then I'm much closer to the end product. But again, the goal is still the same. You just, you just want to put out good stuff. Um, and kind of ideally, it's meaningful <laughs> and it has an impact. And I've worked on a lot of stuff that's had sort of like, you know, the goal was attacking some pretty large sort of systemic social cultural issues. I think there's multiple itches. Like if I, I would want to be, you know, working on stuff that I feel like has that like level of impact. But there's also just like as a designer, you also just want to put out small stuff as well. Right. Like mm -hmm. it could be side projects, it could be things like this, like for you, like this podcast series. Like right, sure. you know, you right now you just want to create, you know, you're you're you want to create a great experience. You want to connect with folks. You don't know what scale it's going to be on or whatever, and that's okay. You just want this to be a creative endeavor. I'm assuming for you, right? <laughs> that uh, that you know you get energy out of, uh, but you also feel like it's is contributing to the world in some way. And the same 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 scenario. That's how I think about products. And if I'm working at a, a company that's like on a larger scale, then I'm I'm thinking about it on that scale. But there's also stuff that like from an artisan or a craftsman standpoint. Is actually really a lot of fun when it doesn't affect it, when it's just for you. Mm. Um, and uh, I think that's also kind of a good balance. Sure. Right? Is to be creating these experiences just for the experience, not not necessarily because you need to be at a large scale. And I say that because I've worked at companies at a, that that you know affect a large scale, Twitter, Facebook. Yeah. Like, um, I may like work on a very small piece that like hundreds of millions of people interact with. So I'm much farther away from the hundreds of millions of people, but like the decisions that we make, you know, do have like an impact on those people. So that's cool. Like that's, that's like really powerful, um, but it may not scratch the same itch as like 
me being very close to another product. And like, it's like, actually, I'm guessing this is also part of Japanese culture that like, that like, um, focus and attention and, and like commitment and longevity for a practice that is like either just for you or just for the sake of it. <laughs> right. And, and that's that there's a beauty in that. And then I, and I think for me, like that's also something that you would never want to like completely get away from. Mm. And I want to be grounded by that. Sure. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I kind of, if you can kind of, um, satisfy both of those, right. Like, um, you know, I, we didn't even really get into like the depth of the things you've done, um, in terms of like social benefit and helping, like you, like you said, could be millions of people around the world. Right. Um, you know, there's that on one side and then, but you kind of need, need it to satisfy something within yourself at the same time. Um, of course, you know, maybe not everyone feels like that. There's certainly people on both ends of the spectrum who seem to be doing things solely for themselves or you get people. Well, that... it's more like a low touch, high touch type of thing. So like mm. in that scenario, like, um, like my team and my last team at Facebook, we, we, that I led was our charitable giving team. So if you've been on Facebook and you've seen a fundraiser on Facebook, like my team built those, mm. uh, and they raise a, like a lot of money on the platform for, for people and causes and communities. And that's amazing. Um, it's on a scale. It's almost unfathomable. Like it's mm. really hard to connect with because it's just so big and there's just so many people versus if I went to, this, you know, volunteer at the soup kitchen and handed out a bowl of soup to a person yeah. in need, the the visceral connection that I would have in that service is just so much stronger at times than this like abstracted layer that you have when you're working you know that much removing on that scale. And I think that's kind of what I'm talking about. Less uh, about sure. like, less about like selfish and unselfish or personal mm. or not. It's mm. more about uh, more about scale and mm. and how close you are to the to the upcoming okay sure yeah 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 so it, it it seems to me like at least moving forward for you like you do want your design and your career um depending on like what scale but it has some like positive benefit like you're doing it for a reason to kind of improve i don't know like you, you could say like even like one person up to, you know, millions of people, right? Well, like design, like the, the, the ideal or the goal of design is like just like an improved quality of life. Mm. Right now it could be for one person, it could be for the whole world, but like the, the, the desire behind that is, is to have an improved quality. I'll go back to like, we're using a product right now, like Zencaster. Like there's like, the functional side that will actually improve the quality. Like you need to have like, um, you know, uh, the video quality needs to be great. The audio needs to be synced up. Like all of these functional um, needs need to be there so that we can have a good experience. But then there's the 
the voice bar was scrolling at the bottom that like, you know, the color, the shape, the shadow is just like, hopefully is like pleasant from the experience. So there's everything from like, you know, utilitarian kind of quality of life, like save me time, save me headaches, save me, you know, friction and frustration. And then there's a sort of like, delight me, please me, <laughs> uh, part of it. Everything, it just leads to a higher quality of life, which is like less wasted time, more fun time. <laughs> sure, sure. Right. And 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 that's kind of the, the beauty of, of the discipline of design. It's like that's your that's your ultimate goal. Sure. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, how you put it like that. Um yeah, I gotta thank you for this, man. I just have uh I just have two final questions that I ask every guest. Uh, if that's okay. cool with you, I know we've gone a little bit long, but uh, it's all good. Let's do it. Just got just got the final two for you. So, like, <laughs> as this is this is called the Inspirations Pod. So, okay. uh, the first one here is, what are uh, three things or three people that have really inspired you, either in your professional life or your personal life? Yeah, the people one's always a tough one for me. Mm. Um, but I do have some recent examples that I would say are, are kind of interesting. I actually, I'm not gonna take it back to basketball for a second, uh, but I actually was like really, really excited by like Giannis's story, right? Um, just was really inspiring because, you know, came from Greece, came from a family that didn't have a lot of means, worked really hard, um, had a, a very clear goal in mind, made it to the NBA, Adapted on his team, stuck with the team, built up like a family, has this real sense of community and family and loyalty and like clarity of thought and, and, and work regimen. I just thought that was inspiring. I didn't know much about him, honestly, before. I wasn't following um, too closely. But to see, again, something that is, you, I do learn a lot from successful people, whether it's sports, music, and, you know, sports, entertainment, business. Sure. Like there's, there's this like clarity of like what you're, you're striving for and, and then the work ethic just continue to go. And that happens even in, in my industry when it comes to like entrepreneurship because I'm surrounded by entrepreneurs who just like have this idea and you just go for it. Mm. And I think that's the really inspiring part is I think that's rare. Like, if we all knew exactly what our goal was and what we wanted to do, I, mm. I don't, I'm not gonna say it's easy to like accomplish it, but at least you know what to do. And then like, you have that, like you have that focus and like, and like conviction. And so I always, I do not like the stories of people who are just like, I was like, you know, I was 10 years old and I just knew I wanted to be an actress. So I did this and I went over or like, I was, you know, I was, I was three years old and I had this like fire truck and like, I just knew I wanted to be a fireman. I I didn't I didn't know that I if I knew that I would have I would have been a fireman right? yeah. and yeah. so a lot of people spend a whole like their whole life just trying to figure like what that goal is like what they want to do and so if the story starts with I know I knew what I wanted to do mm. and the rest is in, is disinteresting it's not interesting to me it's not something that I can relate to because I didn't have, that's not my that's not my life experience my life experience is like you know finding your purpose in a sense right finding exactly like what you want to do and i would say i'm continually i'm still on that so continually, I, yeah. I do um 
but I'm still trying to find that like clarity. Maybe it's momentary clarity. Maybe it's not like your clarity for your whole life. Uh, but, but seeing that clarity in other people is really inspiring. I think a second thing I depends on like who we talk to, but I'm I'm in the camp of like seeing the latest in like space exploration, mm. right? I'm I'm not necessarily like. I'm not going to speak necessarily to like the history or the complications of the characters of, of these like, you know, wealthy billionaires that are going to space. What I'm looking at is like uh, the imagination that's involved. I think Elon Musk is just like absolutely ridiculous <laughs> in like the amount of like game changing, world changing companies that he's, that he's launched. And so it's like almost hard to even fathom how that's possible. But to see how much, like, you know, he's been able to do and the imagination and the acting on that imagination, I think is is super inspiring. So when I've been looking at the latest in space, right, with Virgin Galactic, with Blue Origin, with, with SpaceX, is, uh, and it's like, I would say I wasn't a kid that was like, you know, I want to be an astronaut or I'm like super excited about space, but it's just like, it it reminds me to imagine, right? Which as you grow older and as you kind of like get into your day-to-day sort of like myopic, narrow, small routine, you know, uh, you want to, you want all of these examples where you can just like completely break out of and think, think the unthinkable or just like, um, um, just break out of the everyday. And so for me, that's uh, that laid these latest developments have been really inspiring to like almost like turn me back into a kid right now where I'm just like, yeah, like tell me about space. That looks cool. Maybe I do want to go into space and then look up at the stars, remind myself to look up at the stars and be like, oh yeah, there's stars in the sky and there and there's a whole other universe out there. And I'm whatever petty problems that I have today, you know, like there's way bigger things to be thinking about. And so that, that to me is like maybe the second category of inspiration uh, right now. And then I can't, I guess I have to like, just like come up with a third one on the spot. Um, you know, good design inspires me all the time. So actually my wife just got this book because she got these, these cups. It just feels really nice. So like the thing that's really challenging for me is I don't drink enough water. And so for behavior change, to try to figure out, and this is where design comes in, it's like, I just need something that I love that I'll carry with me all the time Mm. that is filled with water that I'll sip throughout the day. And so this thing is just, it's, it's, it keeps things warm. It's just the right size to fit in my hand. It's got this like nice kind of like rubbery sort of like grip to it that feels great but it's also ceramic on the inside. Mm. So it's the right feel, the right weight, the right size. Um, Cause you know, if you're carrying like a big water bottle that feels kind of clunky. And so, yeah, right. So this is, I've been drinking a lot more water because of this one, this one cup. Um, okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Those were great actually. And uh, last one for you then. So <laughs> um, for yourself as a designer, right. Or, not even necessarily as designer, um, perhaps like if someone sees what you've done, um, you, we didn't have the time really to get into, you know, you've done work also as a professor or as a teacher teaching, uh, courses at universities. Um, certainly 
been part of teams and designed a number of different products that are still in use today. Uh, what, what does it mean for you to be an inspiration to other people? Someone sees something you've done or they've heard something or read something that you've created. What does it mean for you to inspire other people? It means a lot <laughs> if, if, to, to even know that, right? Like, I don't, I don't think you ever really know. Now, if you're, if you're more of a media personality, if you're a creator online, like mm. you kind of just like know people are like commenting, people are there saying like, this inspires me. Or like, if, you, if you're in a forum where you get that direct feedback, I think that's extremely amazing. Um, I think a lot of the times we don't know mm. who we inspire. Mm. There actually has been a few times recently at work where you know it just may have been like how i handled the situation or uh you know was able to like navigate some complexity and, and bring my team to like some clarity uh, i had people kind of like slack me or message me and say like oh hey like I really you know that was really inspiring i really appreciate that mm -hmm. and like that's mm -hmm. amazing so mm -hmm. my like uh my like preaching what I don't practice as much is, is tell people when they've inspired you. Like, cause they, they, a lot of people don't hear that. Mm. They don't know. And, and so hearing that actually is just extremely meaningful and is like fuel to your fire to like, have you kind of keep going and it's that boost that you, you don't get as much. And I'll say like in my discipline, we need it even more so because designers, the nature of our work is to be very, 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 very critical. Literally how we get better is that we have critiques of our designs. And, and so design is also a thing that everybody can have an opinion on. And so it's something where designers, as they grow, grow through their profession, have to get really good at taking feedback, taking critique, and then constructively like turning that into something even better, like refining and polishing and making the experience better. Um, but it's always focused, like it's so easy to focus on what needs improvement. Mm. And so when you get that feedback of like what you've done that's been inspiring, uh, it really is a fuel, fuel to the fire. Um, mm. And so I, 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 you know, my ask is for, for people, if they, if they have been inspired, like let that person know. Because I bet you they don't know. Yep, sure. So yeah, I, I, I got to thank you for coming on the pod, sharing some knowledge. Um, I got to thank <laughs> you just for keeping keeping that fire going. You know, like you said, as a designer, um, really, you're just looking to improve people's lives, whether it's one person or it's the whole world. So uh, if people if people like want to follow you or like keep up with what you're doing, um, you got some social media. I know you have also like your website, mickeysettler.com. Um, are yeah, you, that one's, not, that one's not updated in a while. It's like that okay. shoemaker's, the shoemaker's shoes story. If, you, if you're familiar with that fable where like the, the shoemaker <laughs> doesn't, doesn't have any shoes, it doesn't make it for themselves. Um, my Twitter is probably the best. Okay. You know, at, at Mickey Settler. Okay. Uh, is, is a place where I can be, I can be followed. Uh, thanks again for doing this. Uh, this was Mickey Settler and this is James Mallion with ADSR Inspirations. Until next time, thanks for listening. If you want to hear more insightful and inspirational chats from people based in Japan and all over the world, 
make sure to follow us at adsrcollective.com. We're on Instagram and Twitter at adsrcollective. Then listen to the pod on Spotify, Apple, Google, and more. Thanks again for taking the time to listen. Until next time, stay inspired.